0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the New Testament book of Colossians. And uh, it has been joked that I'm taking a lot of time through this book, and it is true. We're in Paul's prayer, and he covers a number of things. One of the reasons I'm taking time. One of the secondary reasons is because it takes time go through it and i'm kind of limited to some of the time i have but the second reason is because the things we're looking at we don't usually spend time in them and it's important and so i like to look at these little details and some of the things and today we are looking at the little phrase that paul makes in this prayer joyously giving thanks to the lord and uh, talking about joy and uh, the relationship we have with that with the lord in that i pray that um I don't think it's, in fact, I know it's not just luck that we're looking at this topic. God is, is uh, sovereign and his providence reaches over everything. And so we will just look at this and see what God has to say to us in his word. And let's open in prayer if we could. Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace and your goodness to us. I pray that in spite of the limitations of the speaker and the distractions that may be around us and the things that yell at us from our lives and the things that we're going through that you would speak to us and uh, speak to us clearly from your word this morning and I ask that our savior would be exalted and lifted up in his name glorified that he and he alone would be the subject of exaltation this morning and I pray in Jesus' name for Thanksgiving. Well, Paul in this prayer that he has in the Book of Colossians is thanking the Lord for the church and and uh, praying for the for the gospel to bear spiritual fruit in the lives of these saints there in Colossians. Remember the church there in Colossians, the new church. Paul had not visited the church uh, that uh, he the church one of Paul's Converts had gone back to Colossae and had been effective in reaching the people. And so there was a small group of believers, and Paul is now um, praying for them and uh, praying that there would be fruit in their lives, that they would be controlled, he uses the phrase full knowledge or experiential knowledge, that they would be controlled with the full knowledge of his will in the arena of spiritual wisdom and understanding. This would enable them to walk in a manner that's uh, keeping with the lord and his greatness and uh, that they would be seeking to please him which is something that we don't naturally do To please him is something that comes from a transformed heart and a transformed life also that we would be bearing fruit in every good work well they would be bearing fruit in every good work and growing continuing to grow in this full knowledge and displaying the power that comes from from the glory of christ increasing in endurance and long suffering this is a mouthful but these are things he's praying for and now we're coming to the area of joyfully giving thanks to the lord i was thinking about this and you know if you if you go down to the university and you take a course on world religions we find that there's they're all rooted in some kind of fashion which you have basically two types of religion you have the religion of good works which we do in some form or fashion to try to please god to make him happy to find an entrance into his work or his kingdom and then there is the religion of the accomplishment which he has accomplished for us on his on behalf of us through his son and uh most of the the religion of good works have things that they do sometimes people go on pilgrimages or sometimes people place value in various icons and they store them in various churches or there are things that we quote mantras and other things many of them have forms of outreach some are some are good works that they try to perform uh they preach a, a fear of hell, and they they do certain things, and uh, some use violence, some even cut off people's heads and things like that. I don't know of any relationship that exists that professes to be a religion that has as a one of the commands to be joyful, Uh, but joy is a big part of the faith that we have, and it's everywhere in the scripture, and I was thinking about that, thinking about, you know, if the Lord has done everything that is necessary for, for us to have a relationship with him, and that we are secure in Christ, and that's a good security and a good hope and a good promise, we really have a lot to be joyful about. We really do. And it's a, it's, it just seems interesting to me as I've been thinking about it, and I want you to take your Bibles and turn to John 15 as we're talking about this. It seems interesting to me that that joy is a real part of our faith and um, should mark, I think, or at least to some degree, indicate that we know the Lord. It should be like a flag that flies over the life of the believer. That is one indication that his life is connected with Christ. When my wife was alive, she, on several occasions, told me of a friend of hers at Word of Life who used to ask the question frequently of his friends, do you have the joy? you would come down for breakfast sometimes, sit down at the table and say, do you have the joy? And uh, well, evidently that impressed her, and impressed me, because she used to share about that. But joy should be part of our relationship with the Lord. And so I want to look at it. And in this passage, if you have your Bibles and you turn to John 15, you'll know that John 15, Jesus has just finished his discussion ...pretty much with the disciples in the upper room, and uh, he is now going to be leaving the upper room and working his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, and I don't know for sure if they were passing through vineyards, it's probably likely they were because there were a lot of vineyards there, but he takes up the topic as he's talking to his disciples, the Lord is a master of, of communication and using things around him, and he takes up the topic of The vine and the branches that you would see in a garden where you have uh, vineyards. And he says there in verse 1 of John 15, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So that means that Jesus is putting himself as the true vine of these branches, the true source, and the Father is the gardener that takes care of those things. And every branch in me, that is every branch in the vine, which is Jesus, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away or cuts away or throws away, but every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it bears more fruit. Now this creates a little problem. I don't want to get involved too deeply, but um, is this saying that there are vines there that can be believers and yet be lose their salvation and I don't think it is I just think that here is a collection of people that are associated with Jesus some are really dwelling in him and some are just associated with him and so what he's saying is that one of the indications of whether you are connected in the vine is that you're bearing fruit. it's a normal part of bearing fruit I remember I used to raise tomatoes in my garden um, I've always struggled with the blight, but I was out looking out the window one day and I saw one of the tomatoes and it, one of the, the uh, branches was just withered. It just looked like somebody had just taken it and dipped it in some hot wax and pulled it up and it was just all withered. And I went out to see what it was. What it was is a bug or something had gnawed its way through the branch and it was disconnected from the vine. And so it couldn't get any sustenance, so it was withering up. That's what Jesus says here. That's what he's talking about. He said, if you want to be fruitful, you need to abide in me. You need to be connected with me. What does the word abide mean? It means to be connected over a long period of time. It's not just five minutes and then you go away and do your own thing. It's a permanent thing. It's a continuous thing. And so he's he's using this illustration here to abide in the branch. He says, the Father prunes the ones that are bearing fruit so that they will bear more fruit. That's an encouragement to me because I want to be fruitful. But I look at my life and I don't see a lot of fruit. And you remember the parable of the sower. Where the sower went out to sow seed, and he sowed in four kinds of soils. One of them was a hard ground, like representing a hard heart, and the birds came and ate it up. That's a that's an irresponsive person. One of them was a was a ground that was shallow, that had uh, didn't have much room, and had some rocks in it. And the the seed started to sprout. The gospel began to give fruit quickly with joy, but troubles came, trials came, and that particular soil turned away dropped everything and just went off and did its own thing it was not a genuine conversion the third soil was a soil that was infected with weeds and remember that uh, the the uh, gospel began to respond but because of riches and pleasures of this world and things that are distracting you the fruit that you produce doesn't bring much fruit to maturity and so this I take this as is being somebody who is associated with Christ, and yet they are they are easily distracted and laid aside. This is the one kind of that I identify with because I see, you know, the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The world's attractive, and the things in the world are attractive, and they attract me. And uh, I really struggle with that, so I'm asking the Lord to help me be fruitful, be a, a, a tree or a soil that is fruitful and that bears fruit. The fourth soil in the parable of the soil was one that would bear fruit, uh many fold over and I want to do that. And here is a case where this this branch is not very much fruit. And uh so he prunes it and cuts it back so that it will bear more fruit. This pruning is not a pleasant process. It's not fun. We don't stand up and say, praise God, I just got some pruning. No, it's a hard thing. It's a difficult thing. And yet, what does James say? We'll look at the verse in a few minutes. Count it all joy when you go through various trials. Why do you count it joy? Because you know. That's the key word in the passage. Because you know that your trials are going to bring back, because God's going to use them to bring growth and perseverance. You know that. You know that. So when the trials come, and you don't like it, and you're knocked down, and you're not pleased with it, and you want to complain about it, I shouldn't say you. I want to complain about it, and I don't like it, and that's that's me. I know God is working for my good, and I can count on joy. So here is this this pruning process. He talks about you are already clean or pruned because of the word which I have spoken to you. What does that tell us? One of the things that God uses in pruning us is His word. That's why I tell you, guys. And, you, and, and I tell myself when I tell you, you need to be in the work. Let God use the pruning shears in your life. The quicker we respond and grow, probably the less severe it will need to be. And So let Him work. Let Him use those shears. He says in verse 4: Bite in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So we need to do that to use that illustration. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. That is a promise, by the way. You abide in him and he in you. That abiding back and forth, as I look at that illustration, simply says that the, the vine produces nourishment to the branch. The branch sends signals back to the, to the vine that it needs something here or something there so there's that communication back and forth i abide in you you and me there's a communication he bears mm-hmm. much fruit apart from me you can do nothing Nothing is not a lot okay. if anyone does not abide in me he is thrown away as a branch and dries up And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned if You abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done to you. Now, that's an interesting statement there. And I think what he's saying there is if you're abiding, we looked at Psalm 37, 4. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart that was not saying if you delight in the Lord he's going to give you that new car or that new house or whatever like that what he's saying is if you delight yourself in him he's going to change your heart he's going to give you new desires so that your desires are going to be real and serious aiming for Christ and for his glory rather than just self-centered things he changes that and that's that's kind of what he's saying here that if you abide in him and he and and his words abide in you your passions are going to be centered focused, focused on Christ from his will from his purpose from his glory and those kinds of things in accordance with God's will are going to find answers from the father it's going to it's going to produce fruit in your life if you abide in you Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you my father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples just as the father has loved me and by the way that uh, phrase using love there carries the idea of provided for me and protected me just as the father has provided for me and and, and given himself for me and and exalted me i have also provided for you abide in my provision if you keep my commandments you will abide in my provision just as i've kept my father's commandments and abide in his provision you notice i've changed the word love to provision because that's what the idea is that, that god's love it's not just a static emotion but it is an action it's provision and so you provide in his love his provision these things i have spoken to you listen to this and this is the whole way we're going with this these things i have spoken to you i've communicated to you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full now if i read that verse correctly What he's saying here is that this whole process of bearing fruit and abiding in Christ and being productive and asking the Father and he will confirm those things and use you is a process that produces joy, but it's not just my joy. It's not just that, I was going to say win the lottery, but that's not a good illustration to use in church, but we, we have a vacation and we're given a trip to Hawaii or something like that. It's not just something like that that makes us happy, but it's the joy of a relationship with Christ that produces that internal uh, explosion of pleasure that pleases the Lord and pleases us and gives us joy. It's his joy in you. And so this is interesting that that our religion, if you will, I don't like to use that word religion, it's really a relationship, but our faith, the faith that we have in Christ is a faith that produces joy and that it's a good it's a good faith. in matthew chapter 13 there is the illustration gets given that talks about the kingdom of heaven it, jesus used the illustration to describe the kingdom of heaven and in this particular verse it's just one verse verse 13 verse 44 of chapter 13 he says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hit again and from joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field here's the picture and i can have experienced that where you you, you understand the kingdom and you want to be part of the kingdom of christ and deserve and him uh be involved in, in his work and you you it's like in a man who is out in the field they used to, to people used to take valuable treasures and put them sometimes in a clay pot and seal it and bury it. And that would keep it safe. And then later they would come and dig it up if they needed it or whatever. Here's a guy who found this treasure. He takes it and buries it in a field so it it can be safe. And then he wants it so badly that he goes and he divests himself of his savings and everything else to buy that field, to have that treasure. And that's a picture of the value of being in the kingdom of heaven and we see the kingdom of heaven, and we understand the greatness of it, and it makes us want to to pursue it because of the joy that it produces. Not just the joy it produces, but the joy that's in it, the relationship. Um, I don't know how my life produces uh, or gets people's attention because of the joy, but it should. People should see the joy of the Lord in my life, and and it should make people. do You understand what I'm saying? It, it shouldn't. I don't mean necessarily people just being greedy and selfish but it should get people's attention they should see there's a reason for the hope that we have within us there's a there's something there that is envious of others that uh, because it's real it's real and so here's this and, and this is not a salvation by works by the way this is a person that's willing to sacrifice to give in order to please the lord and honor Him, that's what we say that that, that in this passage in colossians that when he says we are we're seeking to please him and uh in john in, in luke 10 uh when the disciples had gone out ministering for the lord the 70 uh it says that the 70 returned in, in luke 10 17 with joy saying even the demons are subject to us in your name but they had gone out and they had served the lord they had been ministering to the lord and now they were coming back and the overflowing emotion was joy. Joy that they the Lord was working with them and, and confirming them. It's a byproduct. That's the same thing in Luke twenty-four. It says while he was uh, Jesus was blessing them, he he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. This is the last thing near the book of Luke. In the book of Luke before as he ascended, he was he blessed the disciples and he left them up into heaven. And so the disciples were now alone. And they turned after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. Now, that's interesting. You would think they would be really sad that their Lord and their master had been crucified. And uh, yes, he's alive, but now he's gone. He's gone up in heaven and he's just disappeared and we're left here without him. But no, they returned to Jerusalem. The word great there is the word mega it's a great it's, a, it's used several places in the New Testament it just means that they came back and they were ecstatic with joy why because God was working in their lives they were being used of him that he was there he was active in their hearts in their lives is, is he active in my life is he active in your life does he produce that joy is that joy there in our lives this is this is um in Luke 2:10 10 uh, the to the, the shepherds there in the field giving the announcement, said the angel said to them do not be afraid behold i bring you good news of great joy again this is a large joy of great joy which will be for all the people this news of the coming messiah is the news is an announcement that, produ- that produces joy that produces good uh relationship and uh, an overflowing joy and uh it's a result I think of of uh, well, look, look, John sixteen. We were in John fifteen. John sixteen. Um, Jesus told the disciples when he was going to depart, he was going to leave, and they were all kind of emotionally downtrodden. And he said, "Truly, I say to you, this is John sixteen twenty. Truly, I say to you that you will weep and you will lament, but the world will rejoice." And you will grieve, but you know your your grief is going to be turned into joy. It's not right now, but it will be turned into joy. And then he uses the illustration of a woman in labor. That when she is uh, in labor, she has pain because the hour has not come. But when she gives birth to birth of the child, she no longer remembers the pain, the anguish, because of the joy that the child has been born into the world. Therefore, you two, you now have grief, but I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice. No one is going to take your joy away. In that day, see, it looks like at this point that their joy had had been taken away. But in that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it. Until now, you ask for nothing. In my name, ask, and you will receive so that your joy may be full. But isn't that strange? We don't... we should have crowded prayer meetings of people coming and praying, and finding in that and being part of the kingdom and part of the answer of God's word and the, and the growth of His kingdom. We should find in that joy, and it's a byproduct, it should be there. And it's really, I think it's it's um, I think it's important. The next chapter in Jesus' high priestly prayer, John seventeen, Jesus says to the Father, "I come to you, and these things I speak." in the world so that they may have my joy made full of themselves. Jesus is working. and He's departing. He's answering prayer so that we can be part of his work in his kingdom and have his joy in us. Where does joy come from? What about another fruit of the spirit? Love. Joy. Peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Fruit of the Spirit comes from the Holy Spirit. It generates that joy. That's what He says in, for example, Acts thirteen fifty-two. The disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces joy. He is the one who does that. Romans fourteen seventeen another verse. Oh, the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy, to so the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom and the work of the lord and the the activity of lord including bbs when we're here working with these kids should not manifest grudging complaints and difficult uh i mean there is some tiring things i know that paul when he spent a day and a night in the deep wasn't just so thankful that he was stranded in the ocean or whatever but there is this un uh, overriding joy that comes about by being submissive to and serving the Lord in his kingdom and I think it's a good identifier and it's something that I want in my life that I really want my life to produce is that kind of joy uh, Paul said in first Thessalonians 1 6 you also have become imitators of us and of the Lord having received the word in much tribulation with joy of the holy spirit so here's an interesting addition to that is that this joy that the lord gives can come through circumstances that might be said to be difficult tribulation hardship um in second corinthians 7 4 um paul is talking to this the believers who are now coming back and kind of repenting of their sin of rejecting his apostleship and uh, they are they are now beginning to be favorable to him again. And he says, "Great is my confidence in you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in all our affliction. So even in the affliction, there is this overflowing, bubbly, uh, bubbling up joy in spite of the affliction. That's that's also." Um, what Paul said about the the uh, churches in Macedonia, he said, "Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God." Listen, we make, we want to make known to you. Evidently, they didn't know or didn't know all of this. He said, "I want to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given to the churches of Macedonia." What kind of grace is it that, in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty so you have a group of believers who have an overflowing manifestation of joy while at the same time they have real poverty and that poverty overflowed or that joy overflows in a wealth of their liberality so they were very liberal they were giving abundantly even out of their poverty and they were joyful in doing it imagine that when we passed the the, uh plate we complained they did not they were glad and they wanted to pass it the second time. They wanted to give to support the Lord. They had joy in doing that. There was joy. Joy is, is kind of the fulfilled. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, for you are our glory and joy. That's a strange thing. You are our glory. You are our contrast. You are our, our seal of work, of sacrifice, of ministry, and you are our joy i think of you i'm joyful when i think about you that's just a good thing um paul says i know i'll remain with you uh, all in your prayers i know that i will remain and continue with you all for your prayers your progress and the joy in the faith there is joy in the faith and paul talked about it he says in Second Timothy 1, 4, that I may be filled with joy. In Hebrews chapter 10, here's a, the, a group of believers that had suffered. And, Paul, and the writer of the Hebrews says this. He says, well, you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Now, that would be a hard thing to do. If somebody comes persecuting the lord persecuting you and they come and they take your property um have a new car sort of new car working to pay for it i would not like somebody coming and stealing that and taking it away or doing damage to it i wouldn't like somebody coming and and burning my house down or have two kids left and then to be but i love them they're very part of my family and i wouldn't i wouldn't be happy to see have things taken away from me like that but he said you should accept the joy for the seizing of your proper seizure of your property knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession than the lasting one so that means that their the value of their resources was more in the future and in the Lord and what he had than it was in what we have in our fingers right now and therefore they could lose these earthly things and still maintain joy because they had a hope in Christ that's a good secure the yeah. and we talk about that we talk about that a lot talk about i guess larry and i talk about that and the joy of knowing that god is sovereign in circumstances because there are things going on in the, in the government in the world and the cities and towns if you see the news and you watch it there's a lot of things that are going on that are disconcerting and, and difficult and hard and it's not it's it just really can, can be a concern but yet we are very thankful, we are joyful because we know God's in charge. And you know when when um, when the Lord is putting something in your life and you know it's from the Lord, and we know that's from the Lord, when the scripture is clear, you can say thank you, Lord. Even if you don't necessarily enjoy it, you can say thank you for that. And so Jesus did the same thing. He was uh, said that he was we're told to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author of fact about faith too, for the joy sets before him endured the cross. This this was his, his evaluation was things that were before him because of the joy that he anticipated that he endured the cross went through this. Joy um we looked at James a minute ago and I won't belabor that other than just remind you that James says count all joy when you go through various trials. Put that into the column of your balance sheet as credit that is joyful. You can be joyful about it it's a good thing when you go through various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance let endurance have its perfecting results so that when you know that that this trial is producing in your life endurance and steadfastness let that endurance bring a perfect results in you and hmm, Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it brings worry, complaint, hardship, and being unhappy with the circumstances and maybe, heaven forbid, feeling sorry for myself in spite of the, the temptations that Christ went through. I feel sorry for myself, that's so stupid, it really is. Who am I to feel sorry for myself when my Lord went to the cross and suffered and died in my hand? And yet we can do that, I can do that. In the midst of that, he says one other thing. He said, but if any of you lacks wisdom, in context there, that means if he's doing something in your life and you don't understand what you need to do or how you need to respond to what he's doing, you need wisdom. What? That's right. Amen. He said, if you lack like wisdom, ask him God. Um, he doesn't give grudgingly. He says, if you lack wisdom. Let him ask of god who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him and he goes on to say but don't do it and then back tread. i've done that before the wisdom comes uh i'm not sure if i like this I do. let me see let me try another way let me try something else do something different see if you ask for wisdom be prepared because he promises it be prepared to act on that and don't try to second guess him. i can I, I don't know if I can make it as a promise, but in my experience, most of the time, what the Lord gives is wisdom, is not what I want. I want what I want, not what he wants. And yet, I always know that his will is best. Always, we know that, for sure. And so it's, let's take it in this act on it. And so the, the, uh, the, the scriptures include joy as something that we should seek after. If Peter does that, Peter says, um, Though you have not seen him, this I love this passage because Peter was one of the last apostles, and uh, he he, near the end of his life before he was crucified, um, he talked to. He was very very popular. Peter was one of the ones that 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 people liked to talk to. He followed the Lord, and he had a lot of stories. And you know Peter, he's the one that related to Mark, and they were kind of pulled together the the Gospel of Mark, but. Whenever he would go somewhere, as you can imagine, if, if, if Peter were to come back today and stand here and want to preach tonight and have a, an opening question and answer, 99.9% of the questions would be about, well, what did you see to Jesus? What did he do? How did he, did he respond? So Because Peter was one of the last surviving contacts of the Lord. And so you got all kinds of questions about the Lord. And Peter says in this passage, he says, now, you've not seen him. I have, but you've not seen him. But you love him. And though you don't see him now, you, you you don't see him now, but you still believe in him. And and you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of contrast, full of glory. Not because you see him there, but you see him by faith. And you rejoice in him. <clears throat> oh, that's, that's really good. That's really good. I, I, there's not a lot of times that I'm going around shouting, but when I have my quiet time in the morning and pray and read the Bible, there are times when I'm just getting really excited about the Lord, really excited. He, he's worthy of your excitement, and your singing, and your praise. Uh, he says to greatly rejoice, Peter says, greatly rejoice, with joy, for joy express, and express with full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the deliverance of your souls but your souls are handed to hell and that's what you deserve that's what I deserve but God has had mercy on us he's delivered us so that we're his and we're his forever and we're secure in Christ and it should show on our face so that's what he said first John we're going to be looking at first John tonight first John 1 4 John says I write these things he's telling why he's writing them I write these things so that your joy may be Complete, brought to maturity, your joy may be fulfilled. May you may be produced. I'm writing these things uh, so that these things. Same thing in Second John. Though you have many things, though I have many things to write to you, I do not want you to. I do. I do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you to speak to you face to face, so that your joy may be made full. Cool. So in this text here, Paul is saying that he's thankful. But he's thankful with joy that overflows in his his heart and his life, that he is joyful. Joy is a byproduct of our walk with the Lord. It's part of the fruit that comes by the Spirit of God, and it comes to those in a right, right relationship with the Lord. So I ask you, as that friend, my my wife used to say, do you have the joy? I, I don't mean, does that mean that the problems are gone? Well, the struggles are gone. I that's not what the Lord is. We have the joy. Because in spite of the suffering, in spite of the hardship, in spite of the difficulty, in spite of the distractions, we have hope. And our hope is in Christ. And it's enough for us. So we can be joyful in Him. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the joy. It's real. I've experienced it. There are many times when I've walked away from it. And you and your infinite, infinite mercy, grace, patiently worked with me. And I'm so thankful to you. And I thank you even now, the distractions in my life and the things in my life that come that uh, tend to leave me unsettled. I pray that in everything I say and do, that the result would be to glorify, exalt, magnify, and uplift the precious name of our Savior, that he would be the, the focal point of my purpose for life, that he would bring glory to his name through me and that he would bring glory that you would bring glory to your name through this church and this fellowship help us to seek with all of our heart to live for you to put you first and uh, we expect then to see it's an overflow of that kind of heart joy um from the savior that uh, your joy would be made full now so we pray this in jesus name thanksgiving and to those here this morning lord who are. Uh, Trying to be religious without you—it's deadening. There's nothing. I didn't talk about that, but I—I I mentioned it to, in the email to a friend that there's nothing more depressing and uh, discouraging and dry than religion, uh, just for the sake of religion. It's—it's it's purposeless. It has no promise, no hope. Um, crank out something thinking it makes us feel better, but it doesn't produce anything. So help us to be anchored in you. So that the overflowing relationship will be that of joy in Christ. And uh, I pray this in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. I remember Elaine telling me that I can Jesus, others, and yourself. Jehovah. You know yep. If you did it that way, that you would have.